Welcome to episode number 156, Holiday Help. I'm your host, Damon Soka. It is that time of year again when mental illness and the holidays collide. While for most, the holidays are a needed reprieve from daily life and the humdrum march of society, for those of us who suffer, the holidays can be one of the worst times of the year. It is not the packages and bows or the added holiday cheer and goodness that is the problem. It is that the holidays provide all of the necessary conditions to create chaos in our mental illness world. Busy schedules, new and different foods, additional and even new social interactions, vacations, travel, and so much more that drives our illness crazy. And then, as an added caveat to our already stretched-apart world, it all ends abruptly, leaving us spinning and trying to get our lives back together when sunlight is at a premium. Friends and family have left, and we are working through a terrible episode. Our bodies need consistency and scheduled management, and so much of the holidays fights against those standards. So what do we do? Cancel the holidays? For most of us who live in a world of people who don't suffer, that really isn't going to be an option. But there are things we can do to manage and prepare for those dark January days. I'm often reminded of a scripture in the New Testament that occurs only in the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. The event occurred when the Savior and his disciples were walking from Jerusalem to the garden. The awful reality of the atonement was leaning heavily upon the Savior, and the physical effects of the weight he bore began to overwhelm him. During this walk, as they neared the garden, the scripture states something about the disciples that I have always cherished because of my personal experiences with mental illness. We find the scripture in Mark 14, 32 and 33. Now there is an index note at the beginning of the scripture which leads to some additional scripture provided by Joseph Smith as he translated this portion of the Bible. Now, the scripture in 32 and 33 read like this in its original form. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Now, the Joseph Smith translation of those same verses reads as follows. And they came to a place which was called, or which was named, Gethsemane, which was a garden. And the disciples began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and to complain in their hearts, wondering if this be the Messiah. And Jesus, knowing their hearts, said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and rebuked them, and said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch. It appears, from what Joseph Smith perceived, that the disciples were able to feel a portion of what the Savior was experiencing. What I personally love about this scripture is how it describes their experience. I have felt this way many times during my personal episodes. It is only one of a few scriptures where I feel my experience is described in some form. Now, whether those feelings were exactly as mine, no one can be sure, but I understood it when I read it. Those scriptures describe what a depression or even an anxiety attack feels like, 
during an episode, including the lost feelings of testimony, or as they described it, wondering if this be the Messiah. I have returned to that scripture often as I have pondered what they must have experienced. Interestingly enough, they were also quite sleepy. While this isn't everyone's experience with depression or anxiety, it was mine. I understood, at least partially, what they had experienced, and perhaps a portion of what the Savior experienced. Now, I don't claim that my episodes were anything close to what the Savior must have endured, but it does give me comfort to know that he felt many of the same things I did, and at times, I do still, I still do. As I pondered the holiday season and have spent some time with family and friends, I realized that for many suffering with mental illness, the happiest time of the year truly isn't. It is in some ways like walking towards the garden with the Savior and experiencing what the disciples did. They were with the Savior. They should have been happy. But that wasn't their experience. At first, the walk may have been quite wonderful after having just had the experience of the washing of the feet and the sacrament with the Savior. But that joyful, spiritual moment quickly turned a corner. Like the disciples, we don't always have issues right away during the holidays. Sometimes the excitement of the season and the more focused relationships can cause our illness to be disrupted, but more in the sense of a delayed episode. It seems that much about the holidays is not conducive to a positive mental health environment. We disrupt our scheduled life, we take vacations, we go to parties with individuals we may not know, or perhaps worse, who cause us great distress. The long dark nights and short days cause us to have seasonal issues. We eat food and drinks we don't normally consume. And worst of all, it is the season for flu and COVID, which can also cause serious concerns. It is almost as if everything during the holidays is against us. But perhaps because of the season and the good that abounds, we don't always feel those deep episodes until the parties have ended, the presents are opened, and we are left to ourselves to pick up the pieces of our life and try to get back to managing our illness. Many individuals believe that the most common season of suicide is during the holidays. That is actually untrue. Suicide occurs mostly in the months after the holidays. We are now coming into the final week of Christmas. For some, their illness has already begun, and for others, the deep episodes are yet to begin. But one thing is certainly likely. That episode is coming towards us. Even if we have been good about our management, we are still likely to feel a little blue after the holidays. The key to the months ahead is actually to prepare now. If we wait till we get there, it will be too late. We should make a plan to prepare ourselves for what is to come. Now, this is not a pity party where we bemoan what is ahead. It is an opportunity to make sure we are prepared for it. If there are medications, then we should be diligent about taking them. If our exercise has waned a little, then now is a good time to get back to it. We still have perhaps a party or two, but even then we should be cautious about placing ourselves in locations and with people that will trigger a mental illness response. As we approach the end of the year, we should consider carefully how will we work through the remaining two weeks and then plan for what we will do after the first of the year. There are a few things to consider when you get to the day after New Year's Day. The first is to make sure you have someone you can call at a moment's notice and who can help. So often, after the holidays, people return to their homes and busy life 
and the removal of warmth and close friendships and family can be devastating to our mental health. For us, it is a good idea to have a few get-togethers right after the holidays so that our minds and bodies continue to feel that closeness. Our minds and bodies are actually built to have people near us and to have good relationships. Our mind produces rewards for mental health when we continue to be around others who make us happy. The abrupt removal of these good relationships for a time can really cause serious issues. We should do our best to continue this closeness right after the holidays. Waiting two or three weeks is actually probably too long. I realize that we believe we should get some rest, and I don't think rest isn't important, but too much of it and too little of the relationship medicine, as we might call it, then we are likely to find ourselves in a deep episode. Our bodies need consistency when we have mental illness. So one of the best things we can do after the holidays is to return to a very consistent schedule. Our consistency was likely interrupted during December, and our body needs to get back into a rhythm to be healthy. So returning to normal meal times, medication times, exercise times, and everything we do, including time with family and friends, now this can be a difficult process. Even two weeks removed from a scheduled life can take a couple of months to reemerge. We need to be cautious about the signs of our episodes. We need to be consistently aware of suicidal thoughts and intents. If you are having difficulty, talk to someone. If you don't trust your family or friends, which I hope you would, then there are priesthood leaders and helplines such as 988 and places on the web where you can chat with somebody. These are people who care deeply, and many of them have been affected by suicide in some way. If all else fails, send me a message. I am always willing to write and talk. Most of all, during this time after the holidays, you can reach out to the Savior. Now, I know that when I say that, your mind probably jumps right to the idea of prayer. And prayer is certainly important, but reaching out is so much more than prayer. I've found that if I read scriptures at a consistent time, listen to spiritual music, not just good music, attend the temple when I can, go to church as often as for long as I can, and tune myself more towards the Lord in every aspect of my life, I do far better the days after the holidays. You can even ask for a blessing from the priesthood to help with those coming months. Now, I have already had mine from my father who was here last week. Those months, while they might have a few tough moments, will be far better. I personally do everything I can and then expect that the Lord will take what I cannot handle. I know how hard it can be to focus on the Savior when you feel like the disciples walking towards the garden. You can even question if he is the Messiah. But what we can do is remain with the Savior, and that means working to keep him in our lives more diligently. I am certain that the dark moment passed for the disciples, as we know Peter, in defending the Lord, cut an ear of one of those attempting to arrest him. Our moments will pass as well, and if we have done our part, the Lord will certainly do his. But this cannot be the only thing we do. We must also work with our physical body and do our part. We should also put the holidays in the past. One of the things that we do that is actually detrimental in the months after the holidays is to reminisce about them and long for them to return. We should certainly be able to remember good moments, but not in the sense that 
was good in December makes January more miserable. The past truly needs to stay in the past. And we should be focusing on our opportunities in January rather than reliving the December that was. Happiness does not necessarily stay with us. We have to earn it every day of our lives. Yes, we can carry over some reservoir of emotion, but unless we work, that reservoir will certainly dry up fast. So we must continue to seek it out, even when it doesn't come as easily as the week before Christmas. So we must continue to seek it out, even when it, again, doesn't come so easily. We seek it out when we seek out the Lord and when we are engaged in His work. This doesn't mean that we need to be missionaries in the sense of those who are called full-time. This means that we live our life in a very directed way, keeping in mind the purposes of what we are doing. The why is so very important in our lives because the why determines our happiness. If we keep the Savior in our thoughts, our actions are more likely to be what His would be. As we start the new year, we can focus on one another as best our illness will allow and seek to do something good. It can be as small as a few moments of help with a child or with our spouse, just a friendly wave or how's life, sitting with someone who is lonely or even as simple as an email or social media post. Small acts of kindness and personal moments are all that is really needed as we return to our daily management. Now. Don't be surprised if your illness still has problems, even when you do what you should. Don't get discouraged or distraught. Just expect that you will have some type of issue and expect it to be better than it would have been if you weren't doing your best to keep the Savior in your life. Expect that you will come out of it and that you will continue to put one foot in front of the other until things return to a more normal state. If you plan and prepare, those three cold months will be better. That I can promise you. Most of all, know that the Lord truly loves you. I started this podcast almost three years ago, and one of the main factors in starting this podcast was simply the love I felt from the Lord for those who suffer with mental illness. I could feel His deep concern and caring, and just how much He wanted to simply hold you tightly in His arms, until you could feel the warmth of His goodness. I know that He cares. And loves you deeply. Ask him and he will show you wonderful things. May the Lord bless you at this time of the year and as you move into the next. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.